Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. We come to John chapter 4 here. We find that Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 4 and verse 4, it tells us this. The King James says this. It says, he must needs go through Samaria. NIV translates it like this. He had to go through Samaria. Reading that at face value and just that one simple phrase there, neither of those really give us the complete story. You see, we have to understand the background. The Samaritans were a group of people who lived in Samaria whose roots were the poorest of the poor who were left in Israel by Nebuchadnezzar after the Babylonian exile. Last week, as I preached from Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones, and I talked about how Ezekiel ministered to one of the groups that was carried away from Israel uh, into Babylon. Uh, We find that when Nebuchadnezzar made these raids and he carried off all of the princes and all of the royals and all of those, we find that one thing that he did was that the poorest of the poor, he just left them there. He, he, he wanted the princes, the nobles, but those that he felt like could never cause an insurrection to him or anything, he left them there in the land of Israel. And so that is where the Samaritans came from. They were the poorest of the poor. And as they were there after the others had been carried off, they had then intermarried with non-Jews. And they had intertwined true faith in Jehovah with other superstitions. You know, I could stop for a little while right there and talk about that and preach an entire sermon on that. Because folks right now, there are people who call themselves Bible-believing Christians that have intertwined this with other superstitions and other beliefs that they have come in contact with. I know you've heard me say this before, and if the Lord tarries, you'll hear me say it a whole lot more. Can I tell you something? That Christians, Christians should have nothing to do with karma. Oh, y'all nervous. Some of y'all done said that. Oh, that's karma. Can I just tell you something? There's a whole bunch of Samaritans had gotten true faith in the Lord intertwined with some of the the other faiths of these other little G gods, and, and now their faith had become distorted with other superstitions and other religions. Folks, I'm telling you, in these last days as Christians, we gotta be careful that what we believe and what we think is what's coming out of this book right here, that we're careful that our faith is not getting intertwined with with Eastern mysticism or any of that other junk. We need to have, oh, here I go saying it again. I know it's the first Sunday of December, but it's important that we know doctrine. Man, y'all are quiet. It's important that we know theology. It's important that we know what the Word of God says. See, Samaria was the quickest route between Judea and Galilee, but many of the Jews refused to go through Samaria because they had such a distaste for Samaritans. Folks, can I tell you this? I'm going to blow your mind. Y'all ready for this? Racism was around long before there was slavery or civil war in the United States. Racism has been a problem 
it's not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's been a problem for a long time. There has been a problem of hatred of people, not liking people, hating people, because simply because of the color of their skin for a long time. And many Jews refused to go through Samaria because they had such a distaste for Samaritans. So there was a more popular route that Jesus could have taken to be able to travel between Judea and Galilee. But he both, as I gave you both versions, as a King James said, he must needs go through. NIV said he had to go through, that he had to go through Samaria because there was a woman there that he needed to see. What are you saying? I'm saying I believe in divine appointments. I believe that Jesus had a divine appointment with the woman woman at a well there who needed to hear the message that he was going to give to her. I believe Jesus will go out of his way or send someone else out of their way to get to you or somebody else. I still believe that that was their own purpose. He need, he must needs go. He had to go. Whatever you want to call it, God sometimes is going to direct somebody your way because he's got a message in them that you need to hear and sometimes you'll be the one that's got a message on the inside of you a word of encouragement a prayer something that somebody needs and you don't understand why you don't know why but you just know that God is leading you and you must needs or you have to go and do this thing that God is leading you to do this passage is rich with so many truths and don't worry, I'm not going to preach about all of them because we got another service and a musical coming up. We find that they were at Jacob's well. You could preach on that. We find that Jesus tells her of the living water, that he was the living water. You could preach a whole sermon on that. Jesus tells her about both her past and her present. You could preach a whole sermon on that, but don't panic. If I'm going to get for the purpose of this message, we're going to focus on only one part, and that is Worship. Everybody say worship. If you're taking notes, I've got two main points. Number one, they discuss worship as a place. Somebody say a place. She brought up an old point of argument between Jews and Samaritans that have been going on for a long time. Look at verse 20 again. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. For so long, they have been arguing. Jews and Samaritans have been arguing about where the proper place of worship was to be. Now, we know in the context of Old Testament, I know this is New Testament, but they're living in that Old Testament, Old Covenant context. Jesus is about to bring about the New. But in the Old Testament, Old Covenant context, we know that, yes, it was true. They had to go to Jerusalem. They had to go to the temple to be able to worship. And it is possible that this was a genuine source of confusion and a stumbling block to this lady. But it is more likely that this was simply an evasion trying to avoid the issue of her many prior husbands and her current non-husband. Jesus had already called her out on that part of it. Jesus had already talked about those things. But she may have possibly been trying to avoid all that and say, well, I know he's a Jew. I know I can get him to argue about this thing. I, I go talking about whether we worship on this mountain or whether we worship in Jerusalem. I'll get this guy arguing. He'll forget all about me. But Jesus wasn't getting into all that. He was there on divine appointment 
appointment for her life not to win an argument. I got to stop for just a second and tell us in 2023 on this first Sunday in December, you be careful that you are not always worried about winning an argument. How many times are we going to lose our testimony? How many times are we going to lose our witness? How many times are we going to lose what could have been done in the name of the Lord? Because we get caught up in thinking that we got to win some kind of argument, especially on social media. Folks, I'm going to stand here as your pastor. You can like it or lump it. I ain't changing my mind about it. I don't believe there's anything of God when we get on social media and we try to argue and fight and fuss. I have never, ever, ever seen anything productive come out of fighting and arguing. Jesus, he, he didn't take the bait. She tried to bait him. He said, I'm not falling for that. I've got a bigger assignment on my life. I just need to talk to somebody here today and tell you, you've got a bigger assignment on your life than just trying to fuss and fight and win arguments. If you believe it, give God praise in this place. <laughs> Jesus lets her know there is way more than she realizes going on. Look at verse 21. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So what Jesus now is doing is, you know, as some people would say, Jesus is beginning to flip the script. He's beginning to change things up. He, he is letting her know something that she doesn't even know. That place isn't going to be important for much longer. That things are about to change. He knows that he's about to go and die on a cross. And just inside Jerusalem, as he is breathing his last breath, that the veil inside the temple is going to be torn from top to bottom, giving free access to God's presence to all that will come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He knows that the whole argument is about to be unnecessary anyway because ain't nobody going to have to go to jail. Aren't you glad today that just to worship God, you don't have to hop a flight and go over to Jerusalem to be able to get in contact with God. Aren't you glad today that you don't even have to come to a hundred Loxley way to be able to get in touch with Jesus and get in the presence of God? Absolutely not. Because of what Jesus did on Calvary, the veil was ripped from top to bottom and anytime, anywhere, any place, we can find ourselves in the presence of Jehovah God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that the temple was going to be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, not to be built again until the end times. We're still waiting, folks. I know I'm not here again. I'm not here to preach an end time message, but everything nowadays seems to be pointing that way. So let me just tell you, one day, one day that temple is going to be rebuilt, uh, but he knew at that time it was going to be torn down in 70, and he knew it was going to be quite a while. Now, obviously, 2,000 years at least before it was built again. So place, Jesus was telling her, place isn't important. Somebody say place isn't important. Then he says you will worship. Jesus makes this de declaration to a sinful Samaritan woman that she was included. Now listen, 
It wasn't like Jesus did not know this woman's past. It wasn't like Jesus was unaware of what was going on in her life. It wasn't like Jesus' eyes were blinded to this. He'd already had this discussion back in verse 16. He said, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you shacked up with now, that's RDL version, is not your husband. But Jesus looks at this woman. This Samaritan woman, first of all, the Samaritan, because of the view of the Jews, was not worthy. He looks at this Samaritan woman that had had five husbands, shacked up with a guy now, and looks at her and says, you will worship. I don't know about you today, but that makes me excited on this Christmas season to know that Jesus Christ will look at us in our sinful condition. He will look at us in our unworthy condition. He will look at us in all that we are. As Isaiah would say, our righteousness is like filthy rags. But Jesus would look at this woman and he would say, you will worship. Can I tell somebody here today, you may have a past, but Jesus is looking at you and saying, you will worship. You may have some issues in your life, but Jesus would look at you and say you will worship Jesus was saying I'm including you not only was she a sinful living in sin not only was she a Samaritan which they thought was not worthy she was a she in fact when you look at history a strict rabbi which we know Jesus was a rabbi a teacher might not even speak to his own wife sister or daughter in public but yet Jesus Jesus spoke. Jesus accepted a drink from her. Jesus talked to her. And Jesus looked at her and said, you will worship. Folks, this is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. This is the gospel that it doesn't matter what color skin you got. Whosoever shall believe in the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gospel that it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have, that whosoever shall believe, call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he looks at us, no matter who we are or where we came from, and he says you are included in this plan of salvation that I'm working on here. Jesus is intentional in his saying, you Samaritans worship what you don't know, and we Jews worship what we do know. The you and the we are emphatic in the original Greek. Sometimes we can fly through some of this, but the you and the we are very emphatic in the original language in which, the, which this was written. You say, why is that? I want to let you know here. The Samaritans only took the first five books as Scripture, the Pentateuch. And then, as I've kind of mentioned already before, they mixed in a lot of other superstitions that they had picked up along the way. So the gospel is certain, certainly for whosoever, but it also includes correcting the course of those that are heading in the wrong direction. And you've heard me say this before, and you're going to hear me say it one more time. You see, Jesus accepts all, but he never leaves us the way that he found us. 
He will accept us. He loves us the way we are. If you've ever been in Baptist church before, I know I, for years, we, I grew up for the first six or seven years of my life. Every altar call, what do they sing? Just as I am. Come on, anybody know that song? Without one plea. Come on. And, and that's the truth. Jesus accepts us just as we are, but he never leaves us the same way that he finds us. Yes, he accepts us as we He knows we're a sinner. He loved us when we were unlovable, but he loves us so much that he's not going to leave us in the same place that he finds us. When the woman was caught in adultery, he, he said that he didn't condemn her. But what did he say? He said, go and sin no more. Uh, he, he, he didn't condemn her. He didn't cast stones at her. He called her out on it and said, I love you. He's like, but don't do this no more. Go and sin no more. And then after that, then the discussion comes, and then he includes her in that you will worship. He's assuming she's going to listen to him and straighten things up and follow him, and she's included in this. Can I just say this? The truth is essential in these last days that are so full of deception. One more time, I'm going to tell you again. We better know this book. We better know this book. We better be careful. As he's saying here, again, the, 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 the we and, and the us, are again, are in, the you and the we are emphatic in the original Greek because Jesus is wanting to make it clear that, hey, you're a Samaritan. That's all right. I still love you. You're a Samaritan. The other Jews only would talk to you. That's all right. But listen, I can't leave you like this because there is something y'all got wrong. Y'all done mixed in all these superstitions with your faith. Mm, help me, Jesus. I know I'm, I'm right out of time, but listen, child of God, child of God, you can't mix the Bible and your horoscope. Child of God, you cannot mix what the enemy, you can't mix the Bible and a Ouija board. You can't mix those kind of things. Don't you mix, don't you mix Eastern mysticism again? We don't believe in karma. I do believe in sowing and reaping, but I don't believe in karma. I know something you say, oh, don't be such a fuddy dud. Hey, talk to Jesus about it. He's the one that had the issue. He looked at him, he said, Woman, you're accepted. I'm about to die for you, and you're going to worship me, but I refuse to leave you the way I found you and you cannot keep mixing and intermingling these faiths you need to know what true faith is and what the word says give God praise <laughs> second main point and I'm done we find worshipers are wanted look at verse 23 and 24 yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So once again here we find the evangelistic push that the Father is looking for. Once again we find that, that spirit of evangelism. 
where the father say, I'm looking. And for, they are the kind of worshipers. He is looking for somebody. His spirit is moving upon the face of the waters. His spirit is moving upon the face of the earth. He is searching. He is looking. Can I tell you something that we need to once again get an evangelistic fire in our soul again? Now listen, it may not, I don't know what you think evangelism looks like to you. I'm just going to be honest. What statistics tell us the most effective evangelism is, it's not necessarily sitting up a tent out on a lot somewhere the most effective evangelism is when somebody hears it from a close friend or a family member we coming up to Christmas folks you want to know the most effective place I'm not saying you can't have a tent revival I'm not saying you can't knock on doors door to door but if you want the most bang for your buck if you want the most effective evangelism there is the most effective evangelism is when you have your family and your friends people you developed a relationship with already and you begin to go on the hunt and begin to push and say Lord stir within me a spirit of evangelism that I want to see souls saved that's why Jesus needed to go had to go through Samaria because he knew there was somebody he had to find Folks, I'm glad that he came looking and he found me. I don't know about you. How many of you can say, I'm glad he found me? I don't know where you were when he found me. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Don't you ever think that you've got to get everything all straightened out or that somebody else has got to give everything all straightened out before you come to God. Absolutely not. He wants you to come just like you are. And then once you get to him, he'll start working on you. He'll Can I use this word on a Christmas Sunday? He'll start sanctifying you. He'll start transforming you and changing you into what? What he wants you and me to be. In spirit, that little phrase in spirit. That your spirit is alive through the miracle of salvation. God is spirit. To communicate in spirit, your spirit must be alive. And the way that happens is through what? Being born again. I'm going to stand here and tell you one of those simple things again, but a lot of people are getting away from it, so I'm just going to tell you, as Jesus Christ said himself, you must be born again. Well, one or two believe it. I'm going to say that one more time. You must be born again. Listen, I don't care how many times you come and sit in these pews. You could come to both the 9 and 11 every Sunday, show up on Tuesday nights for prayer, Wednesday nights for classes, whatever you want to do. But listen, none of that is going to matter if you, if you do not accept Christ as your Savior. If you're not born again, every single one of us, we need to be born again. I'm glad when people become a member of the church. I'm glad when people get involved and become a member of the worship team, when they become a member 
member of teaching, when they become, but listen, none of that matters if we are not born again. It is still imperative that we continue to preach and teach that every man, woman, boy, and girl, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, that we must be born again. We need a salvation experience with Jesus Christ. When we're saved, our spirit that is dead then comes alive. We find in spirit that we're concerned with spiritual realities and not so much the places or the outward things. As I said earlier, there was an argument for years between Jews and Samaritans on the place place where we've got to worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem but Jesus I told you he flipped the script he turned it all upside down and said look woman it ain't gonna matter no more anyway I'm about to die rip that veil it ain't gonna matter where you're at the outward stuff is not going to be so important anymore Listen, that's why you've heard me preach it and teach it so many times. There's so many stuff that really just does not matter, but the stuff that matters is on the inside. It doesn't matter where we are. One, there's a lot of bad things, but there's a few good things that came with COVID too, and I think it taught us that. It doesn't matter whether we're out on a parking lot or whether we're in a sanctuary. It doesn't matter where we are. The important thing is what's going on on the inside, that we're concerned with the spiritual realities. Listen, I've been in this thing. Like I said, I raised in the Baptist church about six or seven, and then we went into a Pentecostal church. Listen, I've been around holiness and everything, and I have heard people, heard people that could share and wore skirts down to the ground and beehives up to here, but they had their heart filled with hate. Outward signs should come from the inside, not the other way around. We can't demand it and regulate it and try to fix it on the outside and expect it to go inside we got to let God fix it on the inside. But then there should be outward evidence of what's going on inside. That song, y'all ever heard it? Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Anybody ever heard that one? That's what we got to have. Don't worry, there's a lot of singing coming up. I'm not going to sing. Don't panic. In spirit means that our worship is directed by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. We, know we need both our personal and corporate worship to be directed by the Holy Spirit. We need it, you know, and, and I'm just going to assume, I'm going to throw it out here right quick. We assume we want, we want our worship pastor, and we want our pastor, we want our corporate worship to be directed by the Spirit. Can I tell you, if, the, if, if you, the only time that you speak in tongues is in church, you done got messed up. Paul said, I, I, at one point, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. But if you think speaking in tongues is only for the church, in fact, really, the Bible talks about how when you speak in an unknown tongue, that person, what does what? Edifies themselves. 
So you know what? You ought to, when it's just you and your prayer closet or your prayer car or wherever it is that you find to pray, you ought to be speaking in tongues there more than anybody any place else. But the Lord is edifying you in your spirit through praying, leading through the spirit and everything that we do in our worship should be led by the spirit of God. Finally, we find in truth that you worship according to the whole counsel of God's word, especially in light of New Testament revelation. You know, there are those that want truth, but no spirit. There are those that are cessationist, that truly believe that God's spirit is not moving anymore, that when they the last apostle spirit. Let me just tell you, I don't want to, I don't want a faith like that when there's truly the spirit available. But unfortunately, there are also those who want spirit, but they ain't concerned with the truth. Oh, help us, Jesus. So many in Pentecostal charismatic circles, as long as they can get a, something hyped up, worked up, get some goosebumps or something, they're not really worried about whether it lines up with the book or not. Can I tell you, that's just as wrong. I want to worship in spirit and in truth. If there's some kind of newfangled thing that comes up and it don't line up with this book, it ain't of God. I've told you already, I'm going to say it one more time. The Samaritans were known for taking bits and pieces of Scripture they wanted and ignoring other things and inserting other stuff from other places they got it. And there's a lot of church people that are the same way. I'm good with this part, but I'm just going to ignore that part. Some of y'all are wishing y'all just came to the 11 and not come this morning to this. But we are good at taking bits and pieces of what we want, but we need the whole thing. Our worship, while it certainly should include our emotions, cannot be dependent or based on an emotional experience. Listen, I've been in this thing a long time, and I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful. I'm, th- I'm thankful for the times of the shout. I'm thankful for the times where the presence of the anointing of God comes into a room, into a worship service, into a place, and, and it's so thick and, and that you can almost touch it and you feel it. But listen, I've also been there at times where I could feel nothing. And it's at that point in time where I can't depend and base my faith on an emotional experience. Some Christians can shout, dance, and sing with the best of them, but they are biblically about as deep in the word as a dollar general kiddie pool. You better believe it. I want to dance. I want to shout. I want want the presence of the Lord to be in a place, but it better be based on this because a shout's going to run out. A dance is going to run out. God said it in his word. He said tongues will cease. Prophecies will cease. But he said my word shall remain forever. I want the dance. I want the shout. I want the gifts. But I'm not about to build my life on something that God said is not even going to be around forever. I choose to build my life on the eternal everlasting word of the living God of which he said will always be around forever and forever that you come to God in truth not in a pretense 
or a mere display of spirituality. You know what? There's only two people that really know the answer to that, and that's you and God. And we can kind of get, sometimes we get caught up in that and looking at somebody else and trying to decide whether they're genuine or not. Can I just tell you, uh, you know, we better be real careful about that. We better just make sure that we're being genuine and we're being real. Stand with me, if you will, please, this morning. The Father is looking. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for those that will worship. You know, Jesus said at one point, said if these don't cry out, he said, there'll be rocks to cry out. That kind of used to be a shouting place in the church. Come on, Pat knows what I'm talking about. Ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. <laughs> I'm not going to, somebody, somebody's going to worship. Can I just tell you, we can sit like a knot on a log, but somebody's going to worship. If they don't, God can make these bricks, these rocks. If we choose to sit here and be dead and not worship, somebody's going to worship. Somebody's going to praise. God said, if i got to make the rocks cry out, I'll do it. I don't know about you. I don't intend on letting these bricks cry out in my place. I intend on lifting my hands. I intend on lifting my voice. I intend on lifting my shout and being a worshiper of the Lord Most High, giving Jehovah God, Jesus Christ, the praise that he so rightfully deserves. Come on, give him praise this morning. He's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, I'm not the judge of that. The worship team is not the judge of that. Only one that truly knows is you and the Lord. Are you coming through and just going through the motions? I don't know. That's just you and God that can decide that. God's looking for some folks that will be worshipers. Now, can I say he may take some of us out of our comfort zone sometimes. And then there's some shouters that, you know, they just can't get still and just worship for a moment either. Sometimes God's going to take you out of your comfort zone and say, are you willing to worship me in spirit and in truth? So here's the call. Here's, here's the call I give this morning. Father is looking, wanted worshipers. How many of you here this morning would say, I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship him in spirit and truth. Just lift those hands right now. Would you do that? I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. I want the spirit to lead me and guide me. I want there to be life but I also want there to be biblical standards. I want there to be a base to build my life on. Oh, come on right now. Just begin to worship him right now. Lord, make us. Make us worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. I don't want these bricks to cry out in my place, oh, Lord.
I don't want to be walking down the street and a rock have to cry out in my place. I want to be a worshiper that you are looking for. You're looking for us. You're accepting us. But God, you give us a choice. You're not going to force us, Lord. It's our choice. listening to our podcast to find out more about us follow us on social media at starkville cog special thanks to those who generously support this ministry if you would like to give visit us at starkvillecog.com forward slash give and if you've enjoyed the podcast please subscribe thanks again for listening we'll see you next week